Welcome to Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. The only podcast to bring you insights on the world of hunting, fishing, and boating. With your host, J. Paul Jackson. You don't say much, do you? Now, load up and side in. This is On the X. Welcome to the Excel Boats on the X podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I'm your host, Jay Paul Jackson, and today I've got our national sales director, Mr. Dave Reynolds, with me as co-host. And we're also fortunate to have a very special guest uh, from Con Outdoors. Great production company, does some tremendous work, has done a great deal of good work for us in the past, Mr. Ben Potter. Hey, brother, welcome to the show, Ben. Hey, thanks for having me, man. It's good, good to be here and, and hang out with you guys for a bit. Yeah, good talking to you, Ben. It's been a while. I think it was mid-November in uh, Utah last time I saw you. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, like right before it just absolutely dumped on us out <laughs> in uh, in the layout boats there. So that was uh, that was fun. I think I think I got a pretty uh, authentic Utah layout boat experience that day. <laughs> that was but, one uh, of the most miserable days of the year. It was rain, and then turned into almost slush coming from the sky. Yeah, you know that sounds. Very familiar, Dave. Do you baptize everybody in that way? <laughs> Let me tell you, Ben, my very first trip, my first trip to hunt on the Great Salt Lake with Dave, we, uh, on the second day, we had one of the most memorable green wing teal shoots I've ever had. Seven of us killed our 49 birds, everybody limited out. But it was the exact same way. Layout boats started as rain, turned into just slush coming out of the sky oh, by the end of the day. Terrible on cameras. I mean, camera guys just yeah. hate that crap. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, especially hunting out of layout blinds. You know, I, I hunted the marsh that day. Fortunately, I had the cover of, you know, cattails and fragmites, and I wasn't too far from you guys hunting. You know, I was hunting for mallards. You know? Okay, yeah. I heard you guys shooting, and I was thinking about you. I'm like, man, I would not want to be in a layout blind today. Even worse, trying to film a hunt in the layout blind, because, I mean, you're facing the sky. There's no place to hide. In a yeah. layout yeah. in open water, when that wind and rain and snow comes in, man, it's yeah. it's in your. Yeah, it was interesting because you know usually when you hunt geese or something in a layout blind, you you know you put your back to the weather and so you know you can you can kind of um, you can kind of work around it, you know. So at least you, at least you got a little bit better cover uh, with your gear. But man, the way the wind was blowing our boats, I mean, I was facing the storm, and it was literally I was watching like the slush snow like take up my lens you know and i had a pretty good rain cover over the the, uh, the camera um but you know also it every once in a while i hit you you're like shit i'm sitting here with a uh, $40,000 <laughs> camera in my lap and uh floating in like five feet of water and <laughs> i've never done this before but it's i don't know those moments is when you're kind of like you say to yourself like who else does this you know who else gets the opportunity to, to capture this kind of footage, you know, and, and I feel like oh, yeah. over the years I've, yeah, you just grow to love those moments when it just things turn on you. Conditions, I guess, huh? What's that again, sir? Who else is stupid enough to be out there in those conditions, right? Exactly. Yeah, most people would look at that and be like, "You're a complete idiot," and like, "Why would you even put your gear through that?" And you know, I hope hope you're you're getting paid, and you know, but it's just like you come out. I think more than anything, you just you've got footage that is just so unique and foreign to so many people and i mean especially where i where i live here in california you know we have a lot of duck hunters and and uh but we don't get i mean unless you're hunting way way north you know we don't get 
many days that get really gnarly like that, you know, and I think when you, you get up north, more north and uh, out where you guys are, even head up in Idaho or Montana or whatever, I mean, guys are hunting and that kind of stuff all the time and, and people that don't hunt, like, you guys are crazy. Why would you do that? But there's some, I think, I don't know, there's a weird craving for, for suffering that I think we have as duck hunters, you know, and uh, it's just something unique to us that we just uh, always enjoy. And so getting to capture it, I think is that extra bonus, like preserving that, those moments and that memory. And so, I mean, actually some of that footage are pretty excited to, to get out this, this year. And uh, yeah, so anyway. Yeah, I'm excited. Don't to forget to, don't. Sitka, sorry. Sorry, Jay Paul, uh, you're filming for Sitka, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So we're as part of, uh, you know, we were uh, really excited and honored to kind of take on the whole waiter project, you know, crap, capturing the different pieces for um, that new product coming out this summer. And so um, that was kind of the, one of the early stages of, you know, we knew kind of like looked at like, man, these, these waiters are so diverse. And, you know, you know, like in the past, I've bought waiters that are extremely heavy for really cold weather and ice and and then, you know, in California, I usually wear breathables. And uh, so, you, you know, you look at your closet, you have like three or four different pairs of waders for different scenarios. But one thing I love about these waders is, is really surprisingly, like you can, they really do work in, in just about anything. And so we wanted to kind of target some different areas, different types of hunting to capture these waders using. So layout boats, you know, that kind of hunting is something I've never done. And we, you know, so we saw some weather on the forecast and, you know, Sika reached out as, a, here's an opportunity, and I was like, let's do it. And it's kind of a, you know, you kind of sometimes have to wait and just see if things line up with weather and what you're trying to capture. And so last minute, we booked that trip and got out there and, and uh, got out in the in the blind with a, a dude named Tony Smith and and um, and his guys and his friends. And, and so it was uh, it was a, a great experience getting to witness. Yeah. You know, we, we shot a handful. It wasn't like we piled them up, but, man, I think more than anything, just that storm that just came out of nowhere and just i mean i was i was frozen <laughs> i was just like frozen out there <laughs> laying in this boat trying to my best to, to capture what was happening and it's some of my favorite footage from the season you know um it just it's just raw you know and i think if anything gets gritty and raw enough you know for the camera it's like you know you're gonna be it, that's the stuff that sticks and that you, the shots that you really remember you know, it's like you have plenty of sunny days with beautiful morning light. You know, that's that's cool. And we'll always love to watch the sunrise. But I think when you can almost feel the suffering in a clip or in a photo um, of someone else, that's when you're like, man, it makes you want to be there. You know, and it makes you just you feel a, a connection to the, to the work. So it's we had that that day. So that was pretty, pretty cool. It's pretty fortunate to be there. But yeah. No doubt. You know, it's funny you mentioned Tony Smith. He was also there on that day that I, I suffered through it like you did there really? in Utah. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Tony was my maybe wingman that day. Maybe it's a Tony thing. He's uh, bringing the weather with him or something. But, um, yeah. And, it, you know, it was cool, too, meeting a guy like Tony. Uh, you know, so I grew up in California hunting ducks since, uh, you know, three years old. So um, throughout the 80s and, you know, uh, just everything, you know, hunting refuges for the most part, you know, public lands and then California Delta and every once in a while you'd get an invite to a club, which would be really special. And, um, but for whatever reason, I grew up in like a family that we well, would always just kind of turn our nose up at divers, 
you know, we just like, oh, here's a blue bill, let it go, you know, or whatever, you know, McGann's heard it. And that was just never something we really aspired to kill, you know? And, but me and guys like Tony, and there's been a handful of guys that I've met over the years once, you know, building this production company and capturing different stories. It's awesome to meet guys that are like absolutely sold out on hunting these specific ducks, hunting divers, you know, and it's, it's unique, you know, and it really has guys like him have given me like such an appreciation for the dudes that, I mean, the way they hunt them is totally different, you know, the way they, they run their lines of decoys and off their boats. And, you know, I think Tony back in the day was building boats to hunt these divers. Like I would never in my, in my ever think of building a boat just to hunt a diver, you know what I mean? But it's, it's pretty rad to see guys that, you know, seeing their passion for these birds, I think has definitely worked on me and changed, changed my perspective of the way I see those ducks and like, wow, they are, they all have a place and they're all unique in the way you hunt them. And, and for me, it wasn't just divers. I mean, like sea ducks and stuff was never something I was super into. Um, but even this last year, we're doing a, we're doing a film for uh, Tangle Free out here in California. And part of that was capturing a brand hunt, you know, out uh, near the, near the bay. And that was brand new to me and that's in my backyard you know and uh so i don't know it's just it's rad when you get to you get to learn a little bit like that the waterfowling community is so much bigger than just killing greenheads you know what i mean and you know it's always well, great we'll always love greenheads but yeah it's just bigger than that you know one of the great things about filming uh, for Migration Nation all those years were the different ways that I got to see people hunt and you're dead on right and you know what's really interesting too is you know if you live out west you think of uh, you know like Tony building uh, uh, Bonneville layout boats was his brand and he built them strictly for divers his handle them a lot of the wet a lot of the forms and stuff was diver freak but that's not just um, exclusive or unique to that area I, I had the chance a few years ago to go and hunt on the great lakes for divers um and and they're they hunt the exact same way that bonneville layout boat is an old model that i think was actually originally developed either on the atlantic seaboard or i think it was developed in the great lakes region for hunting divers and it's called a pumpkin seed layout and uh I've actually hunted an, out of a two-man model where you got a buddy laying right beside you. Now, it better be somebody that you like because you're literally laying there shoulder to shoulder in that layout boat. Uh, I had a camera guy with me on that trip, uh, which was really cool. I mean, some great over-the-shoulder shots when I would raise up to shoot and he would stay, oh, wow. stay behind me. But, you know, guys do that stuff on the Great Lakes. They do it. Uh, they're guys that hunt out of those layout boats up and down the Atlantic seaboard chesapeake bay um and uh i saw some guys a few years ago with pumpkin seed layout boats hunting on catahoula in louisiana for uh canvacks i don't know if you know this or not but uh aside from chesapeake bay um lake catahoula in louisiana is the largest wintering ground in north america for canvasbacks interesting wow i had no idea wow. yep and they That's mostly awesome. hunt them there out of out of uh these blinds on the lake and they dot the lake there everywhere and they brush them with pine with pine bows so green you know pine too at that so you see all these green piles of, of pine branches out there in the lake it's kind of funny but they do hunt them a little bit from the layout boat so wow uh, it's kind That's of awesome. all over yeah thing and i actually had a couple of buddies here in tennessee that after uh 
they saw me uh, filming out there for divers. And y'all don't just hunt divers out of me, the DJ. I mean, Dave, uh, you know, oh, we yeah. were hunting green wing yeah. teal puddle yeah. ducks. Like green wing teal, yeah, definitely. Green wing teal, shovelers. Um, you know, you could put them in just a little cover and kill, uh, you know, mallards and gadwall, witching. Um, yeah, they're, they're very versatile, very effective. They're just, you know, so low profile. Um, you know, you could use them, you know, back in the marsh or in just open water. And, you know, obviously with the divers, you don't need any cover on these blinds. Just put them out in the middle of the water. Actually, I grew up in Southeast Michigan. You're right, Jay Paul, in uh, Lake St. Clair is where uh, these boats became very popular. And there's a lot of custom boat builders in Lake St. Clair. The diver hunting is, is huge in that area. Yeah, and they, a lot of them still build them out of wood, right. Ben. That's, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, the closest thing I ever, I mean, me and my dad would, uh, back in the day, would, we would drive north, um, you know, so I was from the East Bay Area originally, so we, we would drive about seven, eight hours up to uh, southern Oregon and um, hunt up there. And we, at one point, we owned a, a fiberglass skull boat. And kind of probably the closest cousin to, you know, kind of what we did out there in Utah with you guys. And um, what we would, our whole idea with it was uh, the skull in on honkers. And, you know, it was kind of probably you're not, uh, not necessarily very kosher with the way you should hunt honkers, but uh, we had a great time doing it. <laughs> it was fun, you know, <laughs> pushing in. If anything, we'd set up one guy, you know, away from, you know, where you push him to and push him over certain peninsulas or whatever. And, uh, but that was a hoot in itself, just being right on the water and these birds just not really taking much notice to you and, uh, getting a, you know, you shoot a handful, um, you know, and I think if, if we shot one or two honkers, we were absolutely jazzed, you know, and, uh, nowadays I feel like I'm spoiled. It's like, if you're not having a 10 or 15 bird day, you're kind of, oh yeah, oh, wasn't ready to hunt, but <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but that was the closest thing I ever experienced with, with, uh, being on the water with the boat but yeah good yeah. time we do it a whole heck of a lot i mean here everybody's got a boat blind and it makes for some pretty pretty interesting moments out there uh on the water too mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and and some of the things that you see too when you're really hidden there on the water are are amazing you know i was uh hunting on the mississippi river right off of it in a boat blind and some willows and uh we actually had apparently our blind so well disguised that we had a beaver that came up and started trying to strip some of no. the willows oh that God. we had used to brush it with <laughs> off of the blind and you hear this thing you think it's coming in the boat you know and and, and unfortunately uh, yeah unfortunately we'd been there had been a lull and we were just kind of all sitting there kind of half asleep the camera guys had the camera down so nobody uh -huh. got to, to catch it and you oh, hear uh, the guy awesome. that we were hunting with shouting obscenities and i'm like what's going on hey look he's like damn beavers trying to strip all the cover <laughs> off of the blind <laughs> <laughs> oh that is awesome i would have yeah. loved to capture something like that holy crap uh, on that same area we did get lucky uh to capture probably and i want to hear from you actually tell me what what's the coolest thing that you've ever captured while you've been oh, hunting that just you were there in the moment right place right time man um well man what i've ever captured uh boy boy that's a tough question man i mean there's been you know i guess if i break it into you know with waterfowl 
I think I'm trying to think here. Boy, put the coolest thing. That's hard. There's so many moments. Think about it. Yeah, yeah. There's I so many can... moments you think that they, they're all kind of special in different ways, you know. Um, I think with waterfowl, boy, oh boy. I mean, the things that stick out to me are are just our weather. You know, I guess that's what, you know, I, cause you can catch, there's plenty of like moments of like kill shots and stuff. You're like, that duck just did it. They were a hundred percent, you know, cupped wings, feet out, committed, you capture it, you know, however, as good as you can get it. And those shots are great. I like those. I mean, I'm, I'm into killing ducks. I'm not ashamed of kill shots, but um, they aren't the shots that necessarily I remember, I guess, at that, you know, if that makes sense. It, the shots that I remember are like, there was part of a film we did um, last year. Uh, it was called Duck Trip. And it was real simple storyline. It was just, uh, we're going on an, an adventure and we're going to hunt these four states and we're going to see what happens. And so the way that... The four whole states trip, in an Excel boat, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Don't leave yeah, that part out. No, no, no. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, they were, were bombing around these states and you know, pulling our boats through every state. And, uh, you know, we got in one hunt where we set up on the hunt way down, I think about six or seven miles down the Snake River and in Idaho. And it's just an absolute, I mean, my original goal for capturing it was, you know, I've been there once before and hunted it with a, with a friend that lives up that way. And it's just these huge rock faces and you're going down these canyons, you know, and as you go down, you're kicking up ducks and little bit of everything um we've even seen deer running across the, the river you know and just it's just one of those places you're just like gosh this is gorgeous well when we hit it during filming duck trip we were just basically riding the storm throughout our whole trip like you know we should have been driving the opposite direction but we were driving into the storm and um when we were in idaho on that segment i mean it's just started to really kick your kick into a new new level of uh i guess intensity and um, so we're bombing down these rivers. I mean, it is sideways snow and it was cold and it, temperature was just shifted real fast, started really dropping. But the, we, we had a pretty good duck hunt. You know, I think we probably came out with eight or 10 ducks. Um, but those, seeing those fa rock faces covered in snows and there was a few shots that I got, you know, on my camera just coming out that the rock faces are just starting to cover up with snow a little bit so you know the boat is just bombing it's just like encapsulated like this is what duck hunters are about you know like we're willing to go as deep as we need to go you know and use all these tools provided for us to get in there kill some ducks and get into a place that no one really will ever go you know um, no one's going fishing on that day you know no one's going hiking on that day and you're getting in the areas that you just can't access without a boat or without uh you know just just the drive to do it you know and say i mean there's plenty of dudes i've met that uh in the camera world that you know they don't want to film the rain or they don't want to film in a, a storm and i just feel like man you're missing out like these are the moments that are really going to stick in your mind and your viewers minds is saying like how did they do that and it's just a matter of i mean anyone can do it i mean i'm not unique it's just a matter of like being prepared for it you know and being willing to uh, use your business insurance if needed, you know, and uh, it's just like, I don't, I don't pay thousands of dollars a year for nothing. It's like, if, if, if it means like a camera shuts down halfway through and I come out with some gold shots 
been awesome. I mean, it literally did. I mean, as that trip progressed, we ended up heading up to Montana and it was, uh, you know, I've been hunting ducks my whole life and the weather just plummeted and we were, we were hunting in negative 25 degrees, you know, with snow and our, and it had about 20 mile per hour wind. And, uh, so the phone said, uh, feels like negative 44. <laughs> I was just like, holy <laughs> crap, what are we doing? And, and this is funny too, because my dad being, he was like my, my mule on that trip and he still loves to tag along on stuff and just be a part of the action. And, you know, and so I was like, all right, I, I could use a hand if you want to be my mule and pull boats, pull gear and shuffle people around. That would be awesome. So he's all about it. He's retired. And, and as we're setting up for that hunt, he's just like, come up comes up to me he's like hey you got to tell these guys that this is not safe this is not you guys shouldn't be hunting today it's way way too cold i'm like yeah we all, we all wipe our own butts here like we're fine and uh you know we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna if don't nobody wants somebody doesn't want to hunt then then they can sit in the truck that's okay and uh but i think for all of us as hunters we're just like this is the moment it's like you just who knows if we're gonna get into them we might not um but just the challenge of getting to hunt in extreme conditions and, and see if that gear that is promised to keep us warm in any kind of condition actually works, you know? Um, but it was interesting. The toll it took on my camera was definitely making some sounds it's never made before. And uh, at one point, you know, batteries, when they get really, really cold, um, they just drain like really fast. Oh, and they so, last no time. Yeah. So these, this red camera I have, I mean, a battery, you know, if you're familiar with that camera, the battery's drain pretty fast as it is. Um, I mean, it feels like you're starting a lawnmower usually when you start up the red, but um, it, you know, those, that cold weather just grabbed to hold those batteries and I was getting like 15, 20 minutes out of a battery and uh, just flying through batteries. And, but you know, it's just like, dude, that's, I'd be, I'd much rather do that with my gear and uh, capture some stuff that's really going to be remembered than just, do I guess what everybody else would do, you know, that's already been done. And, um, and you can't, you can't, you know, you can't control it. I think it's just being, you can't control the weather. You can't control your scenario, but it's just being willing to, to get after it. If the opportunity presents itself, you know, and, and like I said, I'm not, I'm not in no way want to say, you know, I'm the only one that does this. There's plenty of guys I know in the outdoor world that push it and get in the middle of it and get after crazy scenarios, you know, because they're, uh, you know, they got hunter blood and then at the same time have this creative desire to, to do it justice, you know? And, uh, so yeah, it's cool, man. It's, I feel like, yeah, anyway, I love it. It's, it's, it always uh, inspires me. But. No, I mean, I can, when talking to you, it's always cool to talk to you and chat with you because you are so passionate about what you do and you know, that passion, it absolutely just comes through and some of the work, I mean, the duck trip video was short film was fantastic that film really i mean not only did it a great job highlighting our product but it it highlighted what you know hunting and the camaraderie was all about i love the setup that you did with the guys just sitting in the cafe you know talking to the waitress there Uh you know at the counter of a diner and hunters you know so many times you know, I've been in, in dives like that. Uh, I've got a good buddy, Rocky LaFleur, who sometimes co-hosts with us here. Okay. And Rocky did. Rocky did a series of podcasts last year uh, where he just went from 
famous, you know, duck hunting dive in the Mississippi flyway to duck hunting dive recording and talking about them and, and, mm. you know, places like the blue and white down in uh, DeSoto County, Mississippi, you know, um, mm. a place that, you know, goes back way, way back. I mean, yes, yeah. Beaver Dam, Buckingham's old club still wow. eat there regularly during duck season and the varsity in Belzona, Mississippi. And, you know, seeing those guys, the way you set that, that was awesome, man. Mm, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, it's, you know, like like I said, it's just one of those things, you know, everything's kind of lined up on that trip to at least, you know, we weren't, I mean, we, we killed a lot of birds on that whole the whole trip. It was about 12 days of hunting straight, you know. So um, kind of the crazy thing coming off that, you know, speaking of weather and filming. Um, so the week before I was, uh, I was in Kodiak, Alaska, doing a photo shoot for Yeti. And they, you know, we were doing kind of like a, a deal where, you know, if you're familiar with Kodiak, you fly into Kodiak town, little tiny town, and then you take a float plane out of there and they drop you off in a bay and, um, you know, with our guide. And then we'd hike in about five, six miles to our base camp, set up base camp and hunt, hunt off out of that camp. And then the goal was at the end of that hunt to float. We're, we're camped right on this river. So we, we had like rafts that were dropped for us um, up you know, close to where we were camping. So the goal is once you're done with the hunt, we float, you know, fifteen hundred pounds worth of gear down this river back to the bay we landed in, if that makes sense. And uh and then fly home. And so that was the plan. And I remember getting in there and the um and and so just to get perspective, this is the week before duck trip to start filming. I'm I'm out there and uh I asked one of the guys, I was like, hey, do you ever see these rivers freeze, you know? And he's like, no, that never happens. The rivers are always moving plenty good. And this is a dude that lives on an island, like off of Kodiak, you know, and his family grew up there and all this stuff. So I'm like, all right, you know, coming from someone that lives there, you know, five days into the hunt, you know, we're all finished, you know, the guys shot, shot a bunch of deer, it was an awesome trip, some great guys. And um, so it got progressively colder and by I think it was night the night of the fourth night of hunting um this huge storm was coming in and we got a call from the coast guard you know kind of make sure we're okay and in Kodiak town there was winds clocked over 100 miles per hour and they were flipping planes over in the bay over there and uh we were you know I don't know how many probably I don't know I don't even know 7,500 miles from there you know hunt hunting on this middle of nowhere where no one can get to <laughs> get to us and that night sleeping in that tent you know that wind just started cooking up cooking up more and more and more to the point where I started putting my clothes I was wide awake it was insanely loud and putting my clothes on because I could hear the stitching on my tent like ripping and I was getting like okay I gotta be ready for my gear to just all of a sudden this thing to be gone and all my gears exposed and I'm gonna be ready to cover it up and so I'm like up and ready to go and thank God that night it didn't rip in half, but, um, throughout that heavy wind and that temperature dropping up out there in Kodiak, the river slowly but surely was starting to freeze on the edges and kind of freeze toward the middle. Um, and so when we started packing up to get out of there, it was just these ice chunks were flowing down the river and we ended up getting down the river about a mile. And then all of a sudden it was just solid all the way to the bay and the river had froze over uh, so i'm not gonna ask that question anymore if the river freezes but <laughs> we were stuck an extra if long story short of like starting to feel the cabin fever a little bit we were stuck and 
so we weren't we weren't like hungry, but we were starting to get pretty low and starting to contemplate maybe we need to go shoot another deer because we need some food. <laughs> and uh, it was just got to that got close to that, you know. And uh, so three days later, finally the storm cleared enough to where they could get in there and pick us up. But um, we had to pack all that gear by you know on our packs out to you know back and forth and it was just kind of a hellish situation but i came right off of that and um it right in the duck trip and my wife was not you know just hoping she'd still be there when i'm home but um you know it was quite a scenario uh, but thank god i was you know everything was fine got in safe and you know got after this next run of weather <laughs> but it was just man i don't know i look at those photos too and i'm and you know, wasn't shooting any film on that, just photos, but those are, those are moments that, you know, if I get back to your original question, just, I guess when I think of my favorite stuff, it's always when the weather kind of throws me a curveball that I'm not like prepared for, um, that forces me to be creative in maybe a different way, um, than what I was initially preparing to do. You know, I think, you know, with the outdoors and wildlife and, you know, mother nature, you just, you got to hold your plans loosely you know i think any any no doubt hunter does that just hunting you know you're like we're gonna hunt here but you gotta you know you just kind of tell them maybe the birds won't be there that day and same thing with filming you know you say this is what we're here to accomplish and you know big thing with our style and what we're after is we just want to tell it as it is you know as simple as that is and and you know i didn't invent that that philosophy it's just I just feel like I resonate with content that is real, you know, that wasn't like curated to the point where it loses its soul. You know, like I love to see like real life hunting shot in a beautiful cinematic way. You know what I mean? And so that's, that's what we're after. And uh, it's, it's the hard balance, you know, there's, you know, trying to do that, keep accomplish both goals of keeping it beautiful and cinematic and also real, you know, and, um, I just feel like, you know, you got to try because yeah, as, as a hunter myself, it's, you know, you're always looking for something that's, you know, you can relate with. And I think like when you see someone, even if the shot isn't shot perfectly, but you see it like a moment captured, you know, uh, in the field that that's the kind of stuff that really, I don't know, it resonates. And um, yeah. So. And that shows through, you know, the authenticity always to me is shown through in your work and, you know, just, just awesome stuff and i've loved by the way guys you there listen if you want to check out and and um i've always wondered it's Kana, not canna correct oh correct yeah i mean you can call whatever you yeah. want I don't, I don't care you know we'll still be friends but uh you know uh, <laughs> okay. but yeah Kana is the is the, the name yeah yeah, Kana, it's spelled C-A-N-A, Kana Outdoors. You can Google and find loads of great films uh, from Ben. Of course, you can go to Yeti Films, and, you know, a lot of the work there is Ben's work. It's authentic. It's great. Uh, Sitka gear, um, you know, some good stuff for us. And, of course, well, we appreciate being included in road trips so much. Yeah. But, um, and then you've got your own Vimeo and YouTube channels also, correct? Yeah, you know, um, I have a Vimeo and, um, you know, YouTube, honestly, I do a pretty sorry job of YouTube just because a lot of our work is for <laughs> our clients, you know, and uh, right. and we don't want to be uh, doubling down on, on uh, you know, uploading too much of the same thing, you know. So, uh, so a lot of times we just like to point people to, you know, our clients' pages, if that's, you know, if that's you guys or Sitka or, 
tangle free, whoever we're working for, you know? And, uh, yeah. So, you know, yeah, I mean, and I've also of, found a lot of, I've also found a lot of your good stuff on waypoint TV as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those dudes, you know, reached out a while back and, and, um, wanted to share some stuff that we've done in the past. And I was like, yeah, man, the, the more stuff gets out there for people to enjoy them that, you know, I'm stoked about that. So it's, uh, that's why we do it. And, you know, first and foremost is, you know, we want to, we want to do it for the hunting community, you know, and it's cool that companies like yourself will support, you know, filmmakers like me and, and uh, to, to tell these stories. I mean, it's just like, it's kind of the dream job, you know, I feel really, really blessed to get to do what we do. And uh, so, but it's also great when you hear from guys that, that really are stoked, you know, it gets them that much more stoked to get after what they're passionate about. You know, that's, that's the, the reward I think is when you hear that kind of thing, that talk and stuff. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. i tell you, I, you know, we're very blessed to get to do what we do. I, I, I love what I do so much. I haven't really been to work in over 20 years wow. and yeah. uh, you know, you just look forward to it. And, and speaking of being stoked too, um, at the top of the show before we started, uh, I mentioned that we're pretty doggone stoked right now here at Excel Votes, aren't we, Dave? Yes, we are. Some big news. Definitely big yeah, news. Yeah, yeah. Ben, you were in Tennessee and Nashville, and, and uh, while you were there, uh, the folks from Nashville, the, the governor and the uh, commissioner of economic and community development, they were all uh, here in my neck of the woods yesterday. Um, you can check it out on our Facebook page. We did a Facebook Live, but we made a huge announcement here in Tennessee yesterday. Uh, Glenn Foreman, our uh, owner, CEO, and fearless leader, and his lovely wife, Connie, were here in town, and Governor Bill Haslam. Uh, we were all up in Ridgely, Tennessee, where we announced that Excel Boats is fixing to build. We're going to build our second. We're keeping our plant in Mountain View, actually expanding it, but we're about to build our second manufacturing facility this year right here in Tennessee. So we're really, right really excited. Yeah, we're really stoked. We have, you have introduced some bigger boats, the new Stormcat, the new 230 Bay Pro, which is, you know, a much wider boat, 102-inch beam. You can put our older 220 Bay boat inside this boat. So these bigger boats are requiring more room and a new plant, and we're looking at expanding into other uh, boat categories. Um, so it, it, it's exciting. It's, uh, yeah, it's going to be a new facility, and perhaps what eight nine months we'll be uh rocking and rolling right jay paul man i'm i'm pushing it as fast as i can right <laughs> now we hope to break ground in july and uh, we hope to start construction by the end of the first quarter early second quarter in 2019 this is going to be a state-of-the-art 100,000 square foot uh manufacturing facility uh we've got a job creation goal of almost 200 jobs in the next five years and Honestly, after yesterday's turnout and the response we're getting, I don't think that that's going to be an issue. I know here if the boat business stays for us the way it is, you know, the facility, we could put up to 300 people to work in it. And that is a, a very real possibility down the road. So, you know, we're really excited. And, and uh, yeah, and, you know, speaking of job creation, I noticed in the layout of this new facility, one of the biggest offices, I think there's like a hot tub in the corner. <laughs> Uh -huh. TV is J. Paul Jackson's office. So J. Paul is officially Excel's business operations manager as of yesterday, right, J. Paul? That's right. I was the first wow. job created in Tennessee, yeah. and 
you know, I've worked with the company in so many different capacities over the last several years. It's man, a truly, it's such an honor. It was an exciting day yesterday and it's really mm-hmm. neat to go from being a uh, 1099 employee to a W2 employee of Excel boats and right on. You know, the faith that Dave and Glenn, and, and I'll tell you, this would not be possible without you either, Dave. I was telling Glenn and Connie the story last night of a few years ago when I thought that my, you know, my, my time with Excel because my time in TV and it was time to come to a close and hanging up the phone with you and you calling me back 30 minutes later and saying, Hey, man, we're having a good time. Let's keep on doing this in some way. And that's grown into this great opportunity today. So it not only was a big day for Tennessee yesterday, but you know, personally, it was a big day for me. It looks like I'm going to continue hosting the uh, Excel Boats on the X podcast, powered by Bud Buddy for, for quite some time now. That's listed in my job description as part of my official duties with Excel Boats. So no, we're excited a, to have you as an official uh, you know, member of Excel. I mean, you has always have been, but uh, to be an official employee is exciting news. And, you know, it's funny how things work out. You know, uh, you think, uh, you know, go through ups and downs and careers and and um but things always work usually work out for the better and uh yeah this definitely worked out well a partnership with you and now you can't go anywhere else jay paul we got you locked in (laughs) maybe i won't be traveling quite so much except for between here and mountain view but ben that also means um, i'm going to continue working with the marketing department too and we look forward to maybe working with you some more in the future you know, we love your work and uh, Thank you. really appreciate you taking the time to be on with us. I've got one question that I ask a lot yeah. of our guests, particularly that are duck hunters. So, mm-hmm. uh, so if you're out there and, and I sneak over to, to try to rummage through your blind bag and find a snack, what am I going to find in uh, oh, man. Ben Potter's blind bag? Uh, well, I think uh, it'd probably be a mixture of protein bars and Mike and Ike's. And uh, that's probably my go-to if you're referring to snacks um, and face paint. <laughs> so yeah, and uh, but yeah, man, I don't know. It's it's an ever-changing, you know, black hole of uh, you know, rummage. So, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, you, you can tell he's a Southern Californian too. You know, here in Tennessee, <laughs> you go looking at ours, and you're gonna find you know Hostess cupcakes and 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 Christmas tree cakes, little Debbies and beef jerky and yeah. sausage and biscuits sometime the other day <laughs> i'm laughing because the other day i got into my blind bag i was getting uh, i was looking in there for a duck call on my lanyard and there was a dead gum petrified sausage egg and cheese biscuit that apparently i bought <laughs> the last day of duck season in my tangle free blind bag but you know it's good to hear that you're gonna live a lot longer good healthy stuff yeah <laughs> Oh, I don't know. We'll see. There's probably I, I a little bit more candy than need to be. Candy, yeah. What's that, Dave? I usually have stale Halloween candy, you know, from my boy. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I can see that. Chocolate that's turned white, you know. It just gets better with age, so. <laughs> yeah. Nice. You know, I know something I see in my yard that turns white with age, too, but I don't think I, <laughs> I want any snack that does that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're well, going to cut it off at that note. Ben, we ran over time with you, kept you longer than we promised. I apologize for that. Oh, it's all good. It really, has, it really has been a privilege to have you on here as a guest today and to get to share cool. the big announcement from yesterday, you know, with, with you here with us too. Uh, so that, that's been wonderful. Thank yeah, you so much. Yeah, congrats, man. I mean, I'm super, super stoked for you guys, you know, the growth and, 
and just leading the way. I mean, it's it's been an honor, an honor working for you in the past, and and yeah, always always up to continue to to do stuff. So um, so thanks for thinking of me. You're very welcome, buddy. Man, Dave, thank you for joining and, and helping uh-huh. me out today. Always great having Dave here. Of course, you're becoming pretty dang regular at this too, Dave. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And you're pretty yeah. good at it too. <laughs> yeah, glad to have you. But you know, thanks again, Ben uh, Ben Potter. Thanks, Dave, yeah. for joining me, and thank all of you for tuning in to this edition of the Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. <laughs>